It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767, 1-888-458-6926, or you can text short code to 35270. It is a Thursday edition of the Jack Michaels Show. Brad Anderson in our flagship studios. Jack Michaels here on the final day in Lincoln for the 2023 regular season. As uh, typical Brad on getaways, the the only thing is, how do you dodge a maid when checkout time is 11 and you're doing a noon show? I, good afternoon, Brad. How I'm you good. Doing? We have roll call. Derek is here for uh, for a few oh, minutes anyway is, before, yeah. he, uh, before he uh, gets to... Uh, go to the Clay County Fair today. Yeah, doing the show tonight over on our sister station with cheese curds and corn dogs in hand. Oh, that sounds That's about a winner right, right there, it, man. That is, I'm I'm a little jelly, uh, Derek. You know how they say that that it's a small world and we're all like six degrees separated by ever the uh, the the cheese curds and the food Derek just dropped in Lincoln at Haymarket Park in Hawksfield. The the lady, a beautiful lady that that uh, that kind of runs the upper level sweet area and, and you know sells the food and all that uh, well she's got ties uh, growing up in either gackle or uh, south central north dakota so it's just great to see dixie every day and the problem is we've developed such a good relationship that when everybody's done purchasing food she keeps bringing me in cheeseburgers late in the game. I think I had, like, I was, like, wimpy yesterday on the, uh, it's like, oh, Jack, here's another cheeseburger. Nobody's eating that. I'm like, yeah, it's, like, my fourth one today. I got to stop eating that. So, Derek, I'm. Uh, Are you going to pay her for I'm, a I'm, burger I'm, on Tuesday that you have today? Is that? It's <laughs> yeah, a wimpy the, line. Isn't that's it? right. <laughs> wimpy from Popeye. Is, yeah, wimpy and Popeye. The problem is they're good. You know, they'd be one thing if, if food wasn't good. But they're good, yeah. And yes. that's the problem. That is the, that's, that's a serious problem. Where do they rank to the old Jack's Burgers on the back in the <laughs> oh, day? Oh gosh, I miss the old Jackie mm-hmm. uh, Jack's Burgers at, at Newman, Jack Nissler. Oh my gosh, it is a a Thursday edition. Uh, Derek, yesterday Brad and I were we were going over some things, and uh, you know, and when we got to the twins, there's a number of things they were talking about, and we've talked about the LOB column and how you have to peel back the left on base column because. It, it either means something or it doesn't. Um, you know, Lincoln left 11 on base the other night and struck out 13 times. And I'm saying, well, there you go. I mean, the Red Hawks won the game 4-3. to three. Uh, Last night, Lincoln left 11 on base and won the game 12-2. to two. <laughs> And the Red Hawks left 14 on base. Because the Red Hawks left a township the, on uh, base. Pass <laughs> the bottom line <laughs> is, regarding the Twins or the Red Hawks or the Salt Dogs or anybody, it is production. It is, it is period. The bottom line to me is production. What are you doing with runners in scoring position? What are you doing with, you know, runners on in, in, in two outs? Where are those hits coming from? And, and uh, you know, the Twins will start up again tomorrow. At Oakland, we'll hear from Corey Provost. But it's funny, Derek and Brad, how some of these, in the in the world of analytics and Moneyball was on late last night, so I was watching the Bill James and all that. It's funny, in the world of analytics, it's, it just still comes down to production and, and when you produce, right? Yeah, I think there's... Uh... I think there's a little bit of uh, it's kind of my criticism with a lot of the analytics guys. It's just it's it's a lot simpler game than what we make it out to be. I think football's the same way, right? Where you hear about these coaches playing, you know, oh they sleep at the office like that's something to be proud of. I mean, just you know, Brett Favre said it his last year at the Vikings. He goes, some of these playbooks in different formations. I mean, we could lose a couple hundred dollar bills in some of those playbooks and the chapters that we don't use. I mean, it's just it's not that complicated. And I think. Yeah, it's pretty much just do what you can to get guys home, right? I mean, it's just not that. It, it, I, you know, it, North Dakota a couple, a few years ago had had the embarrassment of riches at running back. And I'm not taking a shot at nobody here, but they had some uber talent right. in the backfield. Mm-hmm. When you talk about Brady Oliveira and John Santiago and James Johannesson, who may go down as one of the, you know, the greatest uh, high school backs in the history of the state. And then, of course, Minnesota, North Dakota. And, and oftentimes, not often, but but. Many times, 
you know, calling it, uh, you know, first and goal from the four. Tough spot to be in, first and goal from the four, because you don't have as much room, we all know this, to work with the end zone back there. Everything is condensed, but you need to figure some things out. And then maybe it'd be like, you know, second and goal from the two. You know, and then and you'd be running like some end arounds and some various things. And I get it, you're trying to, you know, read the defense and get them off bound, find a way in the end zone. When sometimes, Derek and Brad, the best thing is just to pound it four times. <laughs> And read right behind, right behind a line, and see if you can get those four yards and score a touchdown. I think, Derek, sometimes that's why you, uh, you, you in football, and and and, and Brad, you talk about going for it on fourth down. We get so cute, you know, in the sport. We try to get so crafty because you know we get all video gamed up. When, when essence, sometimes you just maybe just pound it a couple of times. You can just and hand, move the chain. hand it to your 250-pound fullback. Right. See if you can get you get you a yard. <laughs> that's right. That's I do right. think sometimes though that they make it too simple though like i think that they sometimes need to spread it out more and give a little bit of options you know because i think mm-hmm. if you got a quarterback and then two men in the backfield well that means up front you got 11 on <laughs> you're sitting uh, 11 on eight right i mean <laughs> that's, that's right and that and i think that's that happened a lot with adrian peterson i think you know they're just bunching oh we got all around in a big running back well something you know and that's where athletic quarterbacks help out sometimes with that too so it's yeah uh, it's, i agree I agree. It's yeah. you know I, I I do think you have to be a little bit. You can't overthink it the way that Seattle did and throw the ball when they had Marshawn Lynch and there's that part of it too and have Richard Sherman's face forever live in Super Bowl history. But it's it, it's I, I think more than anything, what I've seen from coaches and I've talked to a few assistant coaches about this. You can get caught in doing so like for the if they have like ten plays and then they have fifteen formations out of the same play. That to me seems a little bit, <laughs> and I'm a little biased because I've watched a football team that won a state championship that has one formation, and then they have a bunch and of different plays, and it right, really, right. it, it's really confusing. And I think, I think that's what happens because if the offensive coordinator sends to tends to want to run a certain play out of a different formation, a certain formation, well, then you f- pick up on tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Brad Chillers was the ultimate guilt on that, and and so it just it's. You know, it cost yeah. them 12 men in the huddle against the Saints in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and, and not to oversimplify it so much, just just fullback dive or, or a tailback right. off, you know, tackle, let's go, and then run into a brick wall four times, and now you don't make it, and I get that part too. Yeah, you're right. What Barnesville does is something like if, like if Harry Houdini came up with an offensive playbook. That's <laughs> a slight hand, right? It's the David Copperfield offense, yes. Right, that that's what Barnesville – but Where's you know what else ball? you need in that? No. And you know why it works for Barnesville? And you know why it works for other teams? Because they have the personnel, mm-hmm. you know, right? They have the personnel to carry that off. If you don't have the personnel, uh, much like in baseball, you know, do the twins have the personnel uh, to produce consistent runs? You know, Barnesville had the personnel to carry off that 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 same formation, but yet multiple versions of it with so many options that that degree. But do you have the personnel? That's why I use the UND off, uh, reference because it, you know they had the personnel. You know it. It takes the players. It doesn't matter what you're running if you don't have the personnel. No, it, well, and there's a lot of practice. There's a lot of time and just, you know, something like that. It's all about timing and all that. And, and I think the tough thing is to try to defense against it because you can't tough to run scout, scout team against that <laughs> when you're, you know, trying to do that in one week, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, busy show today, guys. Um, on top of, uh, and Derek, I, we, Brad and I expect pictures perhaps from the Clay County. If you have anything oh, on sure. a stick. Is there food on a stick? Had, always. Right. Besides <laughs> corn dogs. Pork chops? This is how small of a town, you know, the small area that I'm in. So they have the uh, Doug Hansen's food family comes there, right? Okay. Yep. Uh, no relation to me. It's E-N, right? So mm-hmm. it's, Okay. But yet we share cousins, so, because... His uncle married my aunt, right? So it's, it's a classic small town living right there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Are you related to the food people? No, for the hundredth time. But yet we share cousins. Yes, happens all the I time. Would, I would argue that that somewhere down the line, if you go to ancestry.com, the Owens and the Ens somehow were related, and then someone along the line just said, "You know what? Let's turn that other. Yeah. Let's turn that O into an E." Or an e into it's it. hard to say that, because they're from Germany, and mine were from uh, Norway, so be, that's a little not. bit of a stretch. 
Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Dr. Brad Strand joining us a little bit later on here, Professor NDSU, authored a book called Optimal Sports Performance. And, uh, you know, the, the, the crux of this, the focus on this, practice smarter, think faster, play better. Practice, think, play. Practice, think, play. So that has to deal with uh, both the mental and the physical aspects. And so uh, we'll hear his thought on that. And, and parents, uh, or if you yourself want to be a, a better athlete, or if you have uh, boys or girls or children that, that want to, probably a good idea to lend an ear to Dr. Brad Strand coming up. And then also today, uh, Brad Anderson. It's an all-Brad hour. I was joking with Brad earlier. Maybe we'll have some more. We'll have like three or four more Brads, and then maybe we'll get Chad Bradford on just Is to get Bradley a last Bradley Cooper name. coming in the studio? <laughs> Is Brad Cooper yeah. coming on today? Yes. I'm trying to get a hold of his people to make sure that uh, make that Who happen. Would, yeah, it, it, yeah, maybe that could be our text question today. Outside of Brad Anderson, because we know we'd put him in the in the Mount Rushmore. So, so Brad exclusive. He's in his own Nobody, category. Nobody's putting me in any Mount Rushmore. <laughs> We're me. putting you in the Mount Rushmore. You're taking over. I'm You're third, Mount Rushmore. I'm, of I'm Brad. third in my house, and if we had a pet, we'd be I'd be fourth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, yes, well done. Uh, your Mount Rushmore of Brad's text three five two seven zero. Your Mount Rushmore. Your top four Brad's of all time. Derek maybe even named one, uh, but Brad. Brad was hanging with Easton Stick yesterday, so we'll hear him in the in the camp in town, and, and it's always good to uh, to have that. So we've got uh, Brad's and Easton's and Derek's and Jack's and all that today. Your Mount Rushmore of Brad's is your hard hitting. Yeah. Uh, text club question at three five two seven. Minnesota sports in the nineties. I'd say Radke and early two thousands. Radke and yep. Johnson. Rad right? Radke. Oh yes, that would be uh, Rad Johnson with a Super Bowl. On the vast scheme of things, do they make the Mount Rushmore of Brad's? But you're right, Derek. I think uh, I think that would be a be a thing. Not bad. NCAA guys acknowledged uh, today that it discussed pop- uh, possible expansion of the NCAA tournament. Somewhere somebody's putting a mean of uh. money signs out there. But uh, the the organization also said expanding the field is not imminent what we knew as a 64 became now 68 with that first four of course dayton ohio there's dollars involved in all of this stuff the more games you have the more you can put on zeros on sponsorships too and hate to equate it right to money guys but uh it's kind of what it is but they say not imminent good bad indifferent guys should the ncaa tournament expand should it reduce we talk about this a lot in the fcs uh bracket by the way I'm a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, guy. Myself, I don't know how you feel, Brad. I uh, sixty-eight's kind of a wonky number. Although I don't, I've kind of grown to not hate the first four. Right. Uh, it was actually kind of fun, like when NDSU was in it a few years back in Dayton, and Dayton's embraced it. So I guess you know I I'm fine with that. Uh, I just to make that tournament mean something. I mean, it means something to the to the mid-major conferences that win tournaments and get into it. I just. You're going to lessen that if you keep adding teams to yep. the mix. 100%. The uh, January guys, the Transformation Committee, boy, that sounds like an important committee, the Transformation Committee, released a report, and what they recommended were several change changes, including allowing 25% of teams in sports. So we're talking about a quarter uh, of the teams in sports uh, sponsored by at least 200 schools to compete. So for men's and women's college basketball, that could mean that could have meant a move from 68 teams to 90 teams. So that was the recommendation. Um, the board of directors approved that later in January, and now here we are in July, and uh, and they basically have said, mm, let's pump the brakes a little bit. So that's that's what we've got on that. So if you came teams, down to the you imagine yeah. a 90 team tournament. No. Well, I mean, if you did it where. The Saturday and Sunday of the week before, so you're extending the tournament right more into April then. I could maybe live with it because I think that would be better than the first four, actually. I don't know if that makes any sense. And, you know, if you had just a, a bunch of games that first weekend. But I, I think they lost a little bit of magic when Thursday morning at 11 a.m. was the start of the tournament. I think that's the one thing that the first four kind of took away from that, right? Because I think for a lot of People, it's, you're still trying to play to get in the tournament, even on Tuesday and Wednesday. No matter what you do, that seems like Thursday's still right. the start of the tournament because no one's turning in their brackets until Wednesday anyway, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so I, I think that's part of it. 
I mean, I would argue, I mean, and I know a lot of people wouldn't like to see this, but with all the teams that have been leaving the FCS, I think 16 was fine. I mean, it just it's nice for the bye week or whatever, but I, I just think well, the way it's going right now, it's it's hard. And, it's, you know, with a lot of different conferences and lower conferences, it's hard. I mean, I'm just trying to look at all the tournaments, what you do. I mean, this goofy 12 yeah. team thing coming up in the FBS, that's going to be odd. I just, to me, you got to do 8 16 or whatever. It just the bye week thing is weird. And we know one thing that it, that obviously it's fluid in college, and and oh, yeah. uh, to say that nothing needs to be changed ever, I think we'd be naive. I think th- there is some fluidity, as you mentioned, teams leaving. When in regard to the FCS, you know what's the proper number? You know, is twenty four too many? Uh, if not, if that's what you're going to keep, okay. Do, do how many buys do we roll out? How do you reward those that win? their conferences you know and what should that reward be based on is that reward where uh you you reward the team by getting it a buy but yet in their bracket because of regionalization geography not wanting to spend a lot of money on travel have to turn around and play a team that's in your conference right away like is that a reward you know or are you almost uh not rewarding that team so there's a lot of different uh avenues on that you know the NCAA tournament, so what, it went to 64 in 1985, it went to 65 in 2001, and it went to 68 in 2011. Those were That's kind of the progression of the NCAA tournament. You know, I look at the Class B, and, of course, that's changing in North Dakota now, too, with the three, three classes, but there was one thing about Class B basketball in North Dakota that when a team made state, you know, they had gone through a little bit of a gauntlet. There certainly was something to be said about the state of Minnesota, <laughs> Derek. When when you got to the dance back in the day, you have gone through a little bit of a gauntlet. Well, you know? so there's something to be said about expansion or going through a number of hurdles uh, to appreciate the Cinderella stories and all that is. Mm-hmm. And that comes with obviously bigger, broader, deeper runs. And you know, but I again, I think 90 might be too much for NCAA. But just trying to make a devil's advocate here on, no on i agree with you i think i think i think four classes is too many to this day in minnesota i think it's a little bit easier to get the state it's not easy to win it by any means but it's easier to get to it going through the sections and you know back when it was districts and regions if you got to the region tournament at concordia that was a big deal to get to, get to that next week i mean it was it was a big deal to get to having big eddie call your games on channel six oh, yeah. on that thursday and friday <laughs> right. there's no doubt but it was a big deal to get to the region and face the likes of Staples or Minnewaska or some of these great powers in some of the other regions around Morris. the area. Yeah, for sure. And uh, well, Wheaton and Holly had that classic game, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I think that was there was something to that. To, so just to get the state was really really something hard, and it's just not as hard to do anymore with four classes. They went from two to one essentially yep. with the Sweet Sixteen tournament, and then went to four. And that I think that three would be fine. I will uh, I will argue I I would like I think three would be ideal in Minnesota, but mm-hmm. I think in the smaller two classes it's still a pretty good. I mean, there's 16 teams and like eight double A for example. So I mean, you gotta, well, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta win some. I mean, you gotta win probably what four games, you know. And if if uh, some of those class A class A uh, sections have some right. subsections and stuff so it's still uh oh it's very it's hard st- still some work but it's easier than it was right yeah. i will say that yeah right. for sure w- would you guys yes y- yes or no i guess and i know we're up against the clock and dr strand coming up shortly but you know going back and, and again it's not imminent that they're going to expand to have a 90 team tournament but but do you agree that 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 there might be uh a better cinderella story coming out if you expand or are you saying you know what no because those teams, yeah, they might sneak in and get a berth, but they're going to be, you know, they're done early on, and now it's we're just talking say. about, yeah. I mean, I, you know, the Butlers and the George Masons, I think, are more realistic than they used to be. You know, but, and then, of course, the TV ratings fall because we still like our Blue Buds. In, in the, we like those stories early on, right? The, the, right. You know, the Bryce Drew stories were great back 20-some years ago, but we still kind of like to have our – our Dukes and our Carolinas and our Kentuckys when it comes. If, if like, it's Butler and Valpo for a national title, right. you're going okay. It was, it was cute back and round. Right, 100. Yeah, once we get to like about the sweet, yeah. Once we get to about the sweet 16, then we say, all right, you were you were you were fun for a week. No, now I want to. <laughs> exactly. Now I want to. I want to watch. Us. Now I want to watch yeah. Duke play Kansas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We love you till you win too much. By the way, too, and then <laughs> yes. we don't like you. 100. percent Very good point. <laughs> Dr. Brad Strand coming up around the corner. Uh, Easton Stick, we'll hear from him today. Clay County Fair is where it's at. Uh, no, what is it, Derek? Is that it? The 
Yeah. Yeah, see Clay, Clay County. Ca- Clay County. Yeah, Clay oh, County. Over. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah I'll Derek's heading over there. He'll be, he'll, be, he'll be having something on a stick uh, on our sister station, KFGO, and sending us pictures as well. Your top four, Brad, your Mount Rushmore. That's our hard-hitting text club question today in honor of Dr. Brad Strand and Brad Anderson, for goodness sake. We're back with Dr. Strand. Going to make you play better, feel better, think faster. All of that next, the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan. It is a Thursday edition of the Jack Michael Show. Brad Anderson in our 740 The Fan Studios, the fifth largest daytime signal in the U.S. of A. Jack here in Lincoln, Nebraska, getting ready to call another Red Hawks baseball game tonight, the rubber game tonight between the Red Hawks and the Lincoln Salt Dogs. The Gov throwing tonight, the AA's all-time wins leader and uh, strikeouts leader uh, tonight for Fargo-Moorhead trying to uh, rebound after last night's loss. So the rubber game tonight in this three-game series before the Hawks take on uh, the Sioux City Explorers. What a great opportunity here. And I, we got to be honest, Brad, and I do that, that uh, our colleague and friend, uh, Rick Flaxbarth, uh, kind of put us on to this, and we love bringing folks on the on the uh, the show that can maybe open our eyes, make us think a little bit, or, or provide something. And, and Dr. Brad Schren, joining us, Professor North Dakota State, has authored a book on optimal sports performance. So I said earlier, if you're a parent that have a, a, a son or daughter, might want to turn up the volume a little bit if you yourself an athlete that just wants to to uh, to perform better and and maybe need the tools to do so uh dr strand uh hopefully can provide some of that today doctor thanks for taking the time on a thursday how you doing today my friend well i'm doing well i just came from uh, the golf course and uh beautiful day out in fargo and wish you the best in uh, in lincoln the night with the red hawks yeah, thanks, man. And hopefully they can get one tonight and, uh, and, uh, and make a surge. You know, if, uh, if your next book is Practice Smarter, Think Faster, Play Better, and Eliminate Your Hook, I would be all over that book too, by the way. <laughs> oh, I can help, I can help you with that too if you want help. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, uh, Doctor Strand, uh, this, uh, yeah, and again, sincerely, thanks for coming on for a couple minutes here. Uh, number one, I know when people author author books, when folks author books, there certainly is a is a reason behind that. You know, whether it's to to put forth knowledge, something you've learned that that you can share. Maybe it's a personal experience or whatnot. So, I guess the easiest place to start with you is uh, what's the genesis of putting forth uh, this uh, uh, book of optimal sports performance. I think everyone who plays sports would be uh, a would-be athlete, a could-have-been athlete, a should-have-been athlete, uh, looks back and says, you know, if I only knew that or if my coach would have done this, something something to that effect, I could have been better. And I think every one of us, everybody listening, uh, has that same sentiment. And so as a senior athlete, uh, still struggling to get better, I had an experience last summer where I was playing in a golf tournament and I was leading in this match play tournament. Uh, I was going to win it, and something distracted me, and I fell apart completely. Mm-hmm. Now, understand, my whole profession has been teaching and, and teaching coaches how to be coaches. I'm a professor at North Dakota State University in kinesiology. And I walked off of that golf course so upset, uh, mad at my opponent for him distracting me, mad at me for not being able to uh, manage uh, my emotions or distractions, and it really bothered me. And so I, I went to my office and sat down and started detailing what it was that made me fall apart so badly and what it takes then to do well. And I put together a framework. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good framework. I, I proposed it to uh, for a presentation at the World Golf Congress that was held last summer. They accepted the presentation, uh, which I then did as the Golf Sci- World Congress of Golf Science is what it really is called. Uh, Bernard Langer was there. He didn't sit in my session, but I had a chance to meet him at least. And uh, I did the presentation and it, and it went really well. And I thought, you know, I got a pretty good idea here. I think I'm gonna just run with this a little bit, try to put together my thoughts. So that's the genesis of, of where this came from. And it's really just to help people, like I say, practice smarter, think faster, and play better. Dr. Brad Strand joining us today, professor in North Dakota State. Yeah, because the mind gets in the way. Yes or no? 
uh, seriously, the mind gets in the way. And a big part of, of this book is teaching people how to respond and react after the bad thing happens. You know, uh, mentally, how do you flush uh, what just happened? How do you reset emotionally? Uh, how do you refocus after this happened? And you have to do it quickly because the next moment is happening uh, earlier than you expect it to happen. I look back, and, and we've had, you mentioned, uh, you know, helping coaches also because uh, part of this is practicing. You've heard uh, Dr. Strand talk about practice smarter, think faster, play better. You know, these are, <laughs> talk about tools, uh, folks. And, uh, you know, some of the great coaches, can we look back in history at, at, at and I know we're all measured by wins, right, whether it's on the golf course and, and you talk about your match play, the, you had that thing maybe in the, in the, in the bag and it, it fell apart, you research what happened and, and obviously learn from that. But can we look back at, at John Wooden or, or take your pick of what coach has been successful, uh, Gino Oriema or whatever, and, and look and see what they're doing and, and take and use that coupled with books like yours and create a template that, that said, okay, here's the information. And then with all that information, why isn't everybody using it? Why, why, why aren't all these coaches being su- uh, successful, Doctor? Well, I suppose a lot of coaches uh, aren't, aren't as familiar with that as we'd like to think they are. They're simply doing what their coaches probably did, what their coaches probably did, and it's just passed down. And when a person has, uh, success, even though they're using maybe inappropriate practices, and if they're having success, well, why wouldn't someone want to copy it then? Just take Bobby Knight. And one could question his inappropriate treatment of players, his practices, but people modeled what he did. I think we're living in a different world right now, mm-hmm. and this stuff is not acceptable anymore. And we just saw the football coach from Northwestern was, uh, was fired because right. of some of the stuff going on in their program. But you mentioned uh, John Wooden. Uh, chapter uh, chapter nine in this book is about coaching and developing coaching expertise. Uh, I, I cite John Wooden uh, quite a bit in there, and Vince Lombardi, uh, two of the greatest, I would say, uh, successful and uh, development of development of their people. And there's a concept uh, that I use called Godfather leadership. And what is it that that certain coaches have? It's, they're a, they're a godfather, and and they they don't talk a lot. Uh, they don't. They're not bombastic. They sit. They watch. They analyze. They critique smartly. They they don't over overstrain the person. They they get them right at the point they need to be to stretch their ability just a little bit. And you keep stretching and you keep stretching and you keep developing. Uh, but if that stretch is just too big. Uh, there's a gap there, and now the person gets frustrated. So I think these godfather coaches know exactly where that where that stretch point is. Uh, also, they got a, a knowledge matrix. You know, the uh, the technical, the tactical, the psychological, the interpersonal skills. Their 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 knowledge matrix of coaching is huge, and they'll try one thing, and if that doesn't work, you can quickly try something else. If that doesn't work you quickly try something else. And, and it's different for every athlete. And that's what these kinds of coaches that John Wooden are so able to do that many coaches just haven't learned yet. Hmm. Just, John Wooden. The word is yet. Is that something, yeah, let's yeah. say, you're coaching youth sports, whether it's, you know, your kids, your kids Babe Ruth or, you know, Little League baseball team from high school on up, um, it, do some of those things apply? Do things kind of change as people get older or maybe how serious they are in, the, in that certain activity? I guess, uh, how is that, to, that compared with some of, the, uh, some of the things you have in the book? Uh, if I'm understanding your question, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of youth sport coaches that haven't been trained at all in, in aspects of coaching and motivating kids in, uh, in appropriate practices in pedagogical skills. And those youth sports coaches are doing things uh, many times that would be counterproductive to sport development. I wish we could do a better job of training training those youth sports coaches. Uh, 
so those, those kids, uh, my, my concern as a uh, professor, my whole career, and I've been doing this, I've been teaching for 47 years. I've been a professor for 35 years. And uh, my whole line of research forever has been about the kids and making sure the kids, and the kids are elementary age, they're high school age. Uh, I coached college athletes. It's about them having positive youth sport experiences. Uh, what we want is everybody to continue playing sports their entire life. That's, that's what we want. Uh, or being active, put it that way. Maybe not playing sports, but being active. And so we have to find ways to make it positive and, and not, not turn these kids off before they get a chance uh, to really fall in love with, with the activity or the sport. I'm glad Brad brought that uh, that up. Brad Anderson brought that question up. Dr. Strand uh, joining us today, professor, North Dakota State, out with optimal sports performance, practice smarter, think faster, play better. In, in a couple minutes remaining with you, doctor, because my mind is sitting here in Lincoln, and I'm, and I'm thinking about how many little league fields or basketball courts or volleyball courts or where I've, I've, I've just listened to people. And oftentimes it's probably a parent or an older sibling or a – cousin or somebody else going keep your eye on the ball timmy no straight. keep your arm back honey no no rise up you got to shoot harder set this for while the game's going on what a great time Thanks. to teach lessons right there. i mean my goodness gracious exactly they're overloaded to start with i mean the, the, the pressure of trying to in baseball watch the pitcher pitch the ball and they got mom and dad over here chewing at them and then you got the coach giving advice <laughs> and they can't think any, they can't they can't focus on any of it. So you wonder why they struggle sometimes. Uh, I have one more quick one for you, too, and, and, and also calling yep. collegiate athletics, as, as Brad Anderson does, too, and, and sitting down with coaches. And this is for coaches. And I know this that, that that's important, is that the, the student athletes you have uh, – uh, know their roles now in a team sport know their roles uh dr strand and you know roles are earned you know your roles can be advanced but your roles eventually have to be understood that communication uh, I, and for sure probably in the high school level middle school level certainly in the collegiate level probably in the professional level understood roles is uh, to me at least what i've seen your thoughts on it, it vital uh to a team's uh, progress uh, progress and success Vital. And you think of uh, Phil Jackson, and he's coaching Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. And maybe, maybe, maybe Pippen didn't accept this role quite so much uh, as we've learned later on, because you know this Michael Jordan. But Dennis Rodman understood his role completely, and you got to got to credit Phil Jackson for helping him accept his role, and he became a Hall of Fame player. Uh, I, I do think oftentimes high school kids get frustrated because they don't really know their role. And if you, if you think of high school basketball, the thing that comes to most kids' minds is that you got to score points. Right. And if you're not the person scoring points, well, then you're not a guy. You're not contributing maybe like you think you should. But if a coach says, you know, your job, here's what it is. And, and, and you're just going to do this, and you're going to be good at it. And by the way, you are going to be on the bench. But this is your job, and this is your role, and here's how you can help. If kids understood that, and if parents understood that, boundaries is what we're talking about, right? What are some of the boundaries that we set uh, to help kids better understand where they fit in a, in a team, uh, team scheme or a team situation? Understanding that everybody wants to play, and that's why you sign up, right? Everybody wants to play. But there's only so many, there's only one basketball, so you, you got to learn your role. I think you made a good point there. That uh, we had a guy I played with in high school. That uh, you know what he did? He uh, he set picks, and he loved setting picks. <laughs> he was a screener. Yeah. He was he was a doctor. He was a doctor. Strand. He was a screener. And his name was Jeff, and 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 he he just set screens, and he freed up everybody, and he loved it. Just do the best you can. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I I read a, I read a thing about a, a coach recently, and he said, you know, every year we have tryouts. And these kids would come and try out. And we'd, we'd cut kids. And I'd say to them, you know, come back next year. Go practice. Go to the church play. Go someplace and practice and come back next year. And he said and some kids did. They came back next year. Now, they weren't good enough because they really hadn't gotten trained, right? They're just playing right. ball. But he said it made me think that some of these kids really want to be here. And he said, I, made a, I, I developed on our team a practice squad of 
like the NFL has their practice squad of whatever, 10 people. He said, my basketball team is a practice squad of these kids that keep coming back. They're not good enough playing the varsity. I keep them around because I don't know what's going to happen next year. <laughs> they might develop. They might become the guy. But they want to be here so badly. And he's keeping them on the team. They're just practice players. I wish more coaches could think like that. Oh, that's awesome. That is uh... – that yeah. is awesome. I, I, I love this. I wish we had more time. I really thank our dear friend Rick Flaxbarth for putting uh, Brad Anderson onto Dr. Bradford Strand, uh, professor in North Dakota State. And I'll tell you, kinesiology, and obviously you're like a, you're like first team all state kinesiology doctor. You're like you're the you're the dude. You've been <laughs> in it that long. Every college uh, you look at a college uh uh, say sports uh, student athlete, eighty percent of them I think are <laughs> studying, and this is not an easy subject to, to to master and move. But boy, what a popular field for goodness sakes the last uh, five or ten years, right? Oh, oh, it sure is. You know, another a big field in, in kinesiology is talent identification, talent selection, talent evaluation, and uh, we look at youth sports, and I think sometimes those youth sports coaches get it wrong and and they're they're not developing talent they're just looking at who the best kid is right now and picking that kid to be on the team without a long-term vision of talent development so that's a whole nother genre to to think about to be concerned about uh my my whole thing as a as a coach as a coach educator is that we want to keep the talent pool as big as possible for as long as possible well put. Uh, last thing for you, we'll, we'll get you out the door and then get your, your second 18 into the day, hopefully. the uh, How available is <laughs> how available is the book? And wh- where can our listeners uh, pick up a copy? Where can they find it? Uh, you can find it on Amazon right now. At the Mayville North Dakota Golf Course. I, I was up there yesterday and left some books uh, there. Uh, they're not located in Fargo Place yet, Barnes & Noble, hopefully, in, uh, in the near future. But uh, Amazon.com uh, would have copies of the book pretty simple right there optimal sports performance yeah. practice smarter uh think faster play better what a great just this would be good just to yeah. have around that end table for goodness sakes uh hopefully we get a chance so, to reconnect I want, I want to give, now, can i oh, give go you ahead. yeah can i give here one more thing i want to give you and so if i break it down as simply as i can in any sport performance uh you want consistency right consistency of performance consistency of routine so, on. so if you become consistent in your performance, the next thing you have is then is to become confident. Consistency leads to confidence. Make sense so far? Love if that. You're confident, yes. If you're confident, you're going to commit to what you're doing. You're going to commit to the motion, the, uh, the, the skill you're going to have to do. Okay, once you've committed, just trust it now. So consistency, confidence, commitment, trust equal improved performance boy that's a that's a that's that's the flow chart that's the flow chart baby consistency leads to confidence leads to commitment because of course when you're confident you feel good doing about that and you're committed to it and then you know you're getting good at it and you trust you you trust the process in which you're doing it it is uh so well put i now i know the red hawks will win tonight Yes. Well, I, I thank you for uh, taking your time to visit with me today. Doctor, thank you very much, Dr. Strand, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, sir. My, my pleasure. Thank you much. Dr. Bradford Strand, professor in North Dakota State, optimal sports performance, practice smarter, think faster, play better. I love the message given today. Uh, as we call in the business, that's a great get. We thank Brad Anderson for uh, facilitating that and our friend Rick Flaxbarth for putting us uh, on to Brad. Uh, another man that has been pretty consistent in his career, certainly led to his confidence and committed to his profession and trust that uh, that uh, that's why he's still in the NFL. Easton Stick back in town. Brad Anderson had a chance to catch up with Easton. We'll hear that next on the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Band. We thank uh, Dr. Brad Strand uh, spending some time with us today on the on the show. That's uh, that's awesome. Good information from him. It is a Thursday tomorrow. 
Corey Provis will join us and uh, and talk a little Twins baseball as they get set for a series at Oakland, then at Seattle. Red Hawks tonight against Lincoln. Lincoln is pulled within a half game of second place behind the Red Hawks, so not on the line tonight, not a lot, but enough on the line tonight to try to stay firm in that, that two-hole in the West Division. And uh, also, big news this week, Easton Stick returning to the area. Brad, and I know with camps, and it's good to have Easton back, and, and uh, you had a chance to bump into him yesterday. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Uh, Nate Amit uh, kind of got, uh, got a, the local media set up with a chance to visit with uh, Easton Stick, and uh, just first uh, first thing off the uh, the genesis of the Easton Stick quarterback camp up at uh, NDSU. Honestly, I think uh, leaving that camp, um, it had a huge impact on me. Um, obviously, the Manning family, we know what they represent and what they mean to football, um, and just seeing how much they cared about, I mean, it was the youngest kid there to the, you know, the Heisman Trophy favorites for the coming season, and they spent time with all of them and, and were, uh, you know, able to, to really, like, um, open the blinds, and, and, you know, we sat down as college counselors and asked questions, and they gave honest answers and really raw experiences, and so um, just seeing the way they set that up and how they were able to give back and teach the game, uh, I thought was really neat, and so uh, getting a chance to, you know, do something similar with Sanford, uh, be back here at NDSU, a place that means a ton to me, um, has been really fun. And so it's been a couple years in the work, COVID, all that stuff. It's been tough to pull it together, um, but we have really um, a ton of people that have made this thing happen, and so I'm, I'm really grateful that we're doing it. Timing-wise, with this facility, this kind of makes the old bubble uh, kind of pale in comparison, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, this place is amazing. Uh, I got the tour yesterday, and then to have the camp in here today and let you know some of these guys get a chance to experience this, this is this is really neat. Um, you know, I've had a chance to, to see a lot of places um, that, that um, are playing football, and this is up there with just about all of them. So um, it speaks a lot to, you know, the program here and then obviously the community and the, and, and the people that support this place. When was your Manning camp experience? Uh, the summer of 18. So going into my last year, um, I got the chance to go down there. And um, I don't know how many college counselors get to go down. And it's fun. You get to instruct. Uh, you're running the drills with, you know, the high school kids, the youth kids. Um, and then we essentially had our own camp built in over lunch. You're out there running drills with Peyton and Eli, the coaches they bring in. Um, and then you're sitting around and talking football, telling stories, having dinner, all that stuff. So. Uh, it was a great time. How important are these kind of opportunities? So you mentioned get back to the game a few times. How important is it for you to have these opportunities to be able to get back to some of these younger guys? A ton. Um, you know, you don't get, or at least I don't get the chance to be around football in this setting as much. Uh, when you're at NDSU, you know, you get the summer camps uh, where you're on the high schoolers, you get the youth camp where you, you get to see football from a different perspective rather than being in it, training all the time, practicing. Um, and it just you remember how much fun it is. Um, and the joy it brought to you as a kid. And so um, it's neat to be in that setting and, and to be able to teach and, and give back. What do you see from some of the guys out here? We got some really good players, man. And I think that's what's so neat about this uh, you know, camp we're trying to build is um, there's a ton of talent in this area, a ton of guys who can throw it. And it's really just about giving them some exposure to some new learning, uh, pushing them and, and challenging them. Hopefully they can take a thing or two and, and take it back to their high school, um, take it back to um, their school and, and be around their teams and, um, what it means to be a leader because uh, playing this position is so much more than throwing it so we're doing great stuff out on the field but I think the stuff we'll do in the classroom and um, hopefully there's stuff they can take away and, and help them moving forward. Was the turnout what you expected or was this even more than you thought? Yeah it re- you know it really was we didn't know what to expect um, and, and for the first year to be around 35 kids uh, has been awesome and a really good mix of We've got, you know, eight or nine uh, college players, uh, 17 upperclassmen, um, and some younger younger guys that are just, you know, trying to figure it out. And so it really is a good mix, and I think it's great for the younger guys to be around Cam and Cole, um, you know, these guys from Northern State that have played a bunch of football. And now it's like, man, shoot, in a couple years, this is where I can be. Um, and so hopefully that's what we're trying to build. Describe the conversation this offseason with the Chargers about deciding to re-sign. What, what went into that with your representation saying, I want to I want to reload you yeah, again? Yeah, uh, really thankful uh, to be with a team for five years, to be drafted by the team, uh, get a chance to re-sign. It meant a ton to me. I love that place and uh, really grateful to uh, Mr. Telesco, uh, Coach Daly, for believing in me enough to say, hey, let's do this thing again. Um, you know, we think you can be a big part of this thing. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, it's a place I wanted to be if it worked out, and, and I'm glad it did. You expect to play a heck of a lot of football this, this upcoming training Yeah, I, I'm hoping so. I, I really am. And, uh, you know, to get a chance, there's just three of us in the room, and um, 
so there'll be a ton of reps to be had, I think. What have you learned from Justin Herbert in the last uh, two or three years? Yeah, it's been it's been really cool seeing him coming in as a rookie. Uh, you're a high pick. There's a ton of expectations, and he did it all during COVID. There's no spring football at all, and for him to go out there in, in the fashion he did, and I mean, he hasn't looked back. He's tore it up uh, just about every week. Um, he can do some things that no one else on earth can. Um, but I think how he carries himself in the locker room is the thing that I've appreciated most and learned from the most. Um, and he's he's just a quiet, simple dude that loves football, loves competing, and that's who he is all the time. He's just authentic that way, and, and that's why the guys love him. Do you think you've transitioned into becoming a veteran NFL player at this <laughs> point, or where do you feel you're at in that? Yeah, it, yeah I don't know. It's, it's tough to say that because, um, like, when you come in and, and you look at these guys that have played for a long time, there's so much, like, respect for um, – for them for being able to do it as long as they have and so I don't think I'm there yet um, but shoot I've been in four offenses in five years and so I've been exposed to some things I've got to see some really cool players uh, some different coaching staffs and so I think I have a lot of experiences I can share um, and yeah man I'm just thankful to keep doing it. You said if it worked out why do you think the Chargers opportunity was still the best for you? To get a chance to play a ton this preseason um, the room's a little different than it has been in the past where um, when you look at years and you know on the team, like like you're saying, I'm the oldest in that respect. So which is weird. Justin's obviously played a ton of football. I'm nowhere near that. Um, but I think just a chance to have an impact on that room a little bit more than I have in the past. I'm looking forward to it. What's it like to see your old teammate using yeah. bombs you here now yeah. wearing the, the lightning bolt? Yeah, how cool is that? Um, and I said, you know, we'll get him in here. And I'm telling you, Kellen, like tomorrow he'll be able to play all three positions and and he sure the next day was out there being super productive and uh just really cool seeing him he's worked so hard and um it's just fought for a ton of opportunities and every time he's gotten one he's taken advantage of it so uh, it's fun to be back with him did you think about going somewhere else or was that uh, kind of th- that thought ever crossed your mind or was it just going to be chargers first and then go from there you know that free agency process obviously was unique to me i've never been in that spot um, reached out to a lot of people to try to get advice and, and I trust my you know uh, agency and, and and those type of things and but like I said I, I love that place it means a lot and to be re-signed by them meant a ton so that's where I wanted to be. How, how much have you kind of connected with Darius in this offseason? I mean if you worked at San Diego together? What's yeah yeah so I, he was out there for the last three or four weeks that we had um, our OTA practices and so it was fun throwing to him there and then uh, we'll reconnect right after this uh, in Southern California and have a week and a half or so to, to kind of get it dialed in. How eager are you for preseason? Like this is, you feel like this is a major opportunity for you? For yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely is. Every year, obviously, is that way. Every time you go out there, you're uh, obviously trying to improve, trying to compete, all those things. Make sure you're ready to play for your team. But really, you're auditioning for everybody, and that's a part of it. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to, like I said, this is, I've had a bunch of, experiences with coaching staffs, offenses, all these things. And so I feel like it's starting to come together. I feel good physically and see what happens, but I'm I'm definitely excited. I got to ask, how surreal was it last preseason when you're looking across the sideline and you see Trey Lance there? What what, what was that experience like in that game? That was super neat um, to go kind of head-to-head against him for at least a couple quarters. um, was really cool. Uh, I said, I have a ton of respect for him, the way he came in here as a freshman and then obviously what he did here, the type of person he is. Um, that that was a, a neat deal. It doesn't happen very often. Anytime you get to play with um, guys you played with here is, is pretty special. Um, and shooting up Darius on the same team. I played with Derek Tuska a year ago, having him on the team. Like that stuff is, I mean, really, really cool. Look at the current uh, NDSU quarterbacks. You talked about Cam and Cole. I guess uh, what, what, uh, what do you like with those two? Yeah, uh, great athletes. Um, what's neat is throwing with them today. Sorry, Dom. Throwing with them uh, yesterday a little bit just on our own is uh, – you know, they're doing it just like we did it when I mean Carson to Cole and me and Trey where it's like we're here to help each other and, and let's make this room as good as possible. We're competing, all those things. We all want to play, obviously. There's only one spot, but they're doing it the way we did it, um, and I think that means more than anything to me is, is seeing that's continued. Um, and so they're good friends. They push each other, and they're both super talented. Uh, Cam obviously has had a heck of a start to his career, um, and you just see – Cole's ability is pretty neat, so um, that's a good room. NDSU quarterback carries a lot of weight. Kind of, what's it been like for you to see that legacy kind of continue to grow and uh, to where it's at right now? Yeah, it's been huge, and, and it's neat. You talk to um, you know new guys in the locker room all the time, and, and they find out where you played. And uh, we have a reputation uh, for not just quarterbacks, offensive line, a, a bunch of positions, just being good football. 
Um, and coaches you talk to respect this place. And so that's what's cool is nationally there's a respect for this place. And so just to see them continue the success has been really fun. Had a conversation about this uh, nationally lately, but how would you rank your top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Oh gosh, um, I've seen a lot of people answer this question, and I don't think there's a good way to do it. Um, I know ours is pretty good. Yeah. Justin's pretty good. Um, obviously, Mahomes uh, is probably what he's done in his career already is up there. But I, there's so many good guys. I think the level of play at that position you watch week to week is is really incredible. There's so many talented guys. Uh, certainly more than 32. Um, and so, yeah, that's tough to ask. But I know in our division, we got a couple good ones. Cole Payton told me he grew up watching you. How old does that make you? Yeah, yeah a little strange. Yeah. Um, it's funny. We just drafted Max Duggan from TCU. Yeah. He's a Council Bluffs kid. So I remember being here, leaving, really leaving Fargo, and hearing about this kid from Council Bluffs that's got all these offers and a bigger crew, and then just watch his career at TCU. Now he's in our building. It's like, I'm like, I don't feel that old, but these things are certainly – a little bit weird. Just some comments there from uh, from Easton Stick. I think a couple of things to uh, kind of gauge from that, Jack, is, uh, you know, they've got a new offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore uh, was with the Cowboys is now there. So uh, he's going to get – I think he's going to get the majority of the snaps in the exhibition play. You know, they drafted Duggan, but I say he's probably a project. But um, th- this, is, uh, this is probably Easton's time to strike here, more so than any time in his NFL career. Yeah, and, and, and more coming over from Dallas, he's a little bit of a uh, – he's that mindset. He's got a lot of uh, things. Offensively, he can really scheme, and, and uh, it, it's it's a fluid, active offense that utilizes backfield, short routes, uh, deep routes, cuts. I, I, I'm uh, I'm curious how that flows with him. Obviously, Herbert's the one, but as you mentioned, Duggan coming over and – uh, signing him on a TCU. I, I love the conversation about Darius Shepard and, and yeah. uh, wherever Shep has found himself, Brad, you know, he finds a way to stay relevant. And, and uh, you know, that's what keeps him going. Obviously, Shep is, is talented. You know, he doesn't get these opportunities without being talented. But that would be neat if, uh, if uh, you know, those two. And, and Easton is going to get uh, some time. I, I'm curious. Uh, the, the Chargers, we talk so much about their defense, and whenever you got guys named Bosa, you know, Khalil Mack, you know, Eric Hendricks, uh, by the way, uh, for Vikings is, is, is on that linebacking core. So we always talk about, um, you know, good defense there for the Chargers, but, you know, let's see what the offense does uh, with more under helm, and let's see, well, uh, what stick. Again, when you're, when you're the two, uh, you're an injury away from being a one. And you, that means you've got to be as relevant as Justin Herbert. So hoping for the best for Easton Stick. Good stuff. Great sound today uh, from, from Easton. Uh, Brad Anderson able to, to capture all of that yesterday. Our thanks to Dr. Brad uh, Strand, professor of North Dakota State. Get out there. Uh, go to Amazon. Uh, grab his book, Optimal Sports Performance. Corey Provost, Twins Talk. Twins back in action tomorrow against Oakland. The Red Hawks return home. Red Hawks tonight against the Lincoln Salt Dogs at a 7.05 first pitch tonight. Kevin McGovern on the mound tonight. will hit the air at 6.45. Stick around. Common Man is coming up next. Uh, thanks for our guest today as well. And uh, food on a stick. Find Derek today and grab some food on his t- the Clay County Fair. <laughs> Common is next at 740 The Fan, KNFL.